This is the Relevant Podcast. It's the week of May 15th, 2020, and it's the Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and joining me from Loverland, Virginia, it's Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Austin, Texas, author, podcaster, Jamie Ivey. Hey, guys. From Nashville, Tennessee, artist and producer, Derek Miner. What up, dog? Uh, we have a great show in store for you today. Coming up later, one of my personal heroes, uh, speaker, podcaster, lawyer, professor, human rights advocate, and New York Times bestselling author, Bob Goff, joins us. And later in the show, uh, a new member of the Relevant family, uh, Pastor Darius Daniels, joins us. Dr. Darius Daniels. He is the host of the newest podcast on the Relevant Podcast Network. Hit number one this week, actually. So he'll be joining us. And also, we close out the show with a little special quarantine game that Tyler and I have cooked up for you guys. So stay tuned for that. Uh, Before we get going, though, uh, we record just a little behind the scenes. We record this podcast on Wednesdays. So if you heard last week's podcast on Friday, we recorded on Wednesday. And in between Wednesday and Friday, um, some news gripped the nation. And um, it's uh, a story that we've been covering extensively at relevantmagazine.com. We've been talking about it on our other podcasts like Relevant Daily. But I wanted to take a few minutes here at the beginning of this week's episode of the main show and talk about the story of Ahmad Arbery. Um, it's something that I was watching, Derek and Jamie, I was watching what you guys were posting about it in the last week. And it's something that hit really hard or home for both of you. And I just wanted to kind of bring that conversation to the podcast. Um, I don't even know how to kick it off. I don't even know a question to ask, but I just wanted to bring it up and uh, give you guys a chance to share your thoughts about Derek, that story. You go first. Oh man. <laughs> I don't, to, to be, to be honest, I don't even know where to start. Um, you know, I know anyone that anyone that's followed me know, knows that this has uh, been, you know, the, I guess as a black a, a black man that is aware, uh, I would consider myself at least aware, if not woke, quote unquote. It's really hard to put into words this. It's almost like a Groundhog Day that never ends. You know, um, yeah. especially in my adult in my adult life, it's just like over and over and over and over again. You know, and the only thing you can hope for is just a different outcome of justice. You know, I've kind of got to the point where, and, and I don't know if this is being jaded or not, but I've kind of got to the point where I'm not even really as much concerned about, you know, I'm just like, yo, I'm a, like, if someone doesn't like me because of my color, fine. You know, people cannot like me for multiple reasons. You may not like me because I like the Detroit Pistons or whatever, but just don't kill me. Like, that's literally the the thing. Like, it's like at this point, it's like, let me I just want to lower the bar to like, just stop killing black people because you're biased. Like, that's kind mm. of my uh, my resolve now. And, it, and it's crazy because I've really, you know, Personally, as a black man, I've, I've ran out of tears. Like, I don't really have... Mm-hmm. I, I remember when, you know, growing up and then, you know, Rodney King and then, you know, I didn't even know what was going on at that time. But then, you know, Trayvon, Mike Brown um, and Jordan Crawford, 
uh, and just the slew, just the the. I've just ran out of tears. Like it's it's it's, it's sad, but it's almost commonplace to see this, and then to to know that more than likely there there will be a way to criminalize a black body and say that the the murder of that man was his fault. I saw a meme where mm. someone said black people are the only people who have to defend why they were murdered, you know? Mm. Mm. And I'm like, mm. that's, you're absolutely correct. Like, it's not just the murder, but then was well, not, hey, that person murdered that unarmed person. It's more like, well, what was he doing wrong to get him murdered? And it's like, we're mm. one of the only people groups, I believe, that have to bear that burden. Um, just devastating for me, but I'm really numb, unfortunately, and I don't really know how not to be numb. And I know a lot of people I know feel the same way. So, yeah. Mm. You know, after we recorded last week, um, I didn't, I don't know when you guys heard the news. I didn't hear until a couple hours after we had recorded. And um, it really hit me hard. And, uh, you know, the listeners may not know, I have four kids and three of them joined our family through adoption. Um, um, one of those is biracial and two of them were born in Haiti. And um, so this news for me as a white woman is it is hard for me because I'm so freaking scared that my son, um, who is 14 and looks 17, um that this is going to be his reality. And so it's, it's hard for me to grab, grab, like think about it as a white woman um, who is so scared for her black son. And I texted my girlfriend, Andrea, who is a friend of mine. And I just said, again, I'm feeling what black women have felt for generation after generation is just that fear of something happening to their children. And so that's scary for me. It's hard to have conversations with my son, you know, when, when we're telling our kids about this news and, and my son looks at me like, he was like, they didn't like him because his, his skin color. And I'm like, yeah. And I'm looking at my son who's black and it's so hard to deal with. I'm thankful for organizations like Be the Bridge where my friend Latasha Morrison running that and just doing so much education and helping. And so um, it's been a hard week for me as well. I mean, you know, I texted Derek last Wednesday and was just like, man, this is just I don't even know how to do. I don't even know yeah. how to do this life, um, mm. but I'm I'm grateful for the conversations. It's it's really sometimes frustrating and hard that it takes something like this to, for so many um, majority culture people in America to have conversations about it. But I am grateful that they're happening. So yeah. I think that's where I land. Is these conversations are needed and helpful, and they have to continue. Um, you know, I saw someone put on um, something today, like we have to have these conversations, even when there's not a videotape showing everything. Yeah. Um, like these conversations have to keep going. So I'm glad. I was gonna say I saw I saw um, uh, someone say they didn't arrest these guys because they were caught. They arrested them because we caught them. Like we saw them on video. Like they had this video never came out. This wouldn't even have been yeah. a story. And I think that's yeah. the yeah. most devastating thing yeah. for me um, is that, you know, like how, how many of these many stories others? are happening that we don't know about. Exactly. Right. Exactly. I, I think this is another uh, example of 
why it's so important to, you know, not only be aware, but also politically and socially vigilant to hold people in power accountable. You know, like like right. like you were saying, Derek, you know, if if the video hadn't been released, who knows what if these two individual. Well, we do know. Right. I, don't, I say who knows. We know because it took, mm-hmm. you know, weeks, several weeks, like two months to arrest these two individuals who it seems you know, obviously there, there's due process, but look, we all saw what happened on that tape. We all know the circumstances that led up to this, you know, poor guy's execution in his own neighborhood. It shouldn't take videotapes for district attorneys and prosecutors and law enforcement to arrest people who have committed murder in the street. And, you know, w- without the that outrage on social media with the circulation of that video, who knows if, if this action ever would have happened. So I think it's also, you know, is a reminder of why we need to, you know, we need to be involved politically, not just on the federal, like it's easy to talk about like presidential elections and things like that, but on, on the, the local levels of making sure that the people who are in office are held accountable for the actions that they either did or didn't take when, when they were given power, because they, not only does it not, does it show that justice isn't served? It also shows that there's still, you know, this kind of cronyism that exists in, mm-hmm. in local politics where, you know, where there are people who would rather protect their own, even if their own are guilty of murder, than do their job and seek justice for, for victims of violence. So it, it, it is a startling reminder of the importance that uh, role that we all have to, to make sure that these people that are that we've placed in power through democracy are held accountable for what for what they did or didn't do. Derek, can I ask you when you saw the reaction after the news broke Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you know, on Christian Twitter, you yeah. know, a lot of church leaders and stuff were posting about it and you know, they were hashtag and a lot of them did the the two mile run on his birthday over the weekend. As a black man, what, how do you feel when you see that? Is that a positive thing for you to see? Or are you, do you roll your eyes? Like, do you think it's like, you know, cause there's a slacktivism, hashtag activism, right? <laughs> and, you know, it's almost like, okay, I pat myself on the back. I feel better that I did this, but it didn't really do anything. Is that how, like, what's your response? How did you, when you were watching this all play out, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I may not be the best person to ask this, or maybe I am the the, the best person to ask it because I'm a bit jaded. Um, you know, obviously, just the the space that I've occupied in in Christendom, far as being a rapper, and you know, man, if I could tell you some of the stories of, to be honest, far as racism is concerned, white evangelical Christians have wounded me probably more than anyone. Um, so mm-hmm. when I see and I'm not saying everyone has wounded me, but I'm saying nine times out of 10, the culprits of some of my biggest wounds would consider themselves good Christian men. Like when you see the, the, uh, there was a GoFundMe for these two guys and they were said they're two good Christian men that are being taken advantage of. It's like that type of Christianity, like whatever that type of, yeah. whatever that is has been, for most of my life, the biggest uh, villain as far as racism is concerned. So when I see people 
who I post the picture or whatever. I'm not really upset in a sense. It's more just like, okay, well, welcome to the party. You know, where were you with Trayvon? Where were you with Mike Brown? Right. You know, and I remember right. I was one of the ones that was speaking up about Trayvon's and Mike Brown's and Freddie Gray's and all of that. And and I lost concerts. I lost shows. I lost fans. I lost all of that. But then you see, you know, and I guess you could say, well, congrats. This is progress. But I just I hate the fact that I feel like uh, white people, white Americans, evangelicals or whoever and Americans in general are able to ignore the history of race in America and be blindsided by it every time something of this level of extremity happens. Like, it, it, it's really frustrating. That's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this happened. Well, it's like if you study black history and what has happened to us in America, this should not be baffling to you. If you look at the right. lynching of Jesse Washington or the multiple lynchings, or if you study what I, I, I would give people homework and say, go look up the black codes, like the black codes, go look at the Jim Crow laws, like go look at privatized prisons. And then you will realize that Ahmad's death was set in motion 400 years ago, because when you criminalize black people and then when you create a system that rewards or ignores the death of unarmed black people, you are saying that this is okay. So no one should be surprised that these two guys felt that they could confront this man with a gun and if he reacted, they shoot him and he feel justified in that. No one should be able to do that when that has, no one should be surprised by that because as much as I don't want to admit it and some don't, this is the America that has been created. Black people are prisoners. We are descendants of prisoners of war. We are hmm. refugees. I am the descendant of a refugee. My parents didn't immigrate here. They were brought here. They were enslaved hmm. and then they were set free and told to, and then discriminated against. And then mm -hmm. we are the descendants of that. And then also not only that, but for 400 years, white people have been told that a black life is not as valuable. Now, they may not have been told that directly, but when you see a lynching of someone like Jesse Washington that had over 10,000 viewers, a professional photographer, while this man was burned and burned and roasted and lynched for 200 for uh, for two hours and then dragged through the city and his body parts sold as souvenirs and nothing happens to those people, then what you are saying is that black lives do not matter that much and that white people have the right to be able to whoever they deem as criminals go in, snatch them out and do whatever they want. Because and that's another thing. When we look at our history, we look at black history and say, well, the lynchings were just a bunch of bad people that were doing bad things. No, those were people that would say I believe that black man raped this woman or that black man stole something. They would criminalize the black man first, then go and murder him. And then it would feel justified. So it's just happening in opposite. The black person gets murdered and then we criminalize the black person and say, oh, OK, well, you know, that that gets it. He was walking on some uh, construction property and the black and the white guys were confused and they shot him. And, and then what happens is there's no justice. And then the cycle continues mm -hmm. and the message mm -hmm. continues. So, yeah, I'm sorry that might be a little bit of rant, but I had to kind of get that off my chest. Yeah, um, dude, that's, it was no, truth. It's truth. And that's the thing. Derek. 
when I when I see when I see the the social media response, like I, I, I'm conflicted because I'm glad that like white church leaders are speaking up. But I'm also aware of, like you said, it's almost like, is this too little too late? Like, where have you been for the last at least five years of this conversation? Exactly. You know? And and then what do we do from here? That's I'm always, a, okay, so what's next? What, what can we advocate for? I think what Jesse talked about is maybe one of the big things that can come from this is like a collective awareness of the inequality in the justice system. It's like, this is, there's no reason why this shouldn't have been prosecuted or talked about two months ago. Why did it, why did it require a national outcry because of a video? Like, and now we're seeing like the conflicts of interest with the prosecutors and the DA and all that stuff play out. And it's like, wait, this is broken. The system is broken. I think like Jesse, you were saying we can collectively advocate for more accountability in our justice system. Yeah. You know, I think that's one of the outcomes that could come of this specific moment. Yeah. But like, I'm kind of, I'm kind of saying, well, what else can we do? You know, like what, even as white people, what can we do? How can we use our voices and our, our influence to make a difference? You know, like that's my thing. It's gotta be more than a hashtag. It's gotta be more than just a a week of social media. Like what, what, what's the lasting thing that we can do? Cause I want to do something, you know? You know what I've learned over the past couple of years as being a a mom to my kids is this is what I think is a big part of the problem is for most um, white people in America, unless it's on like they see this video and it is tragic and they're upset about it and it's maddening. But I promise you, most white people can go through their entire life and this will never affect them. And so they'll never have to deal with what Derek will have to deal with or our other friends, um, men and women of color or my son, like they'll just never experience that. And so this moment is like tragic and it's awful. And you go, this is not right. And then 10 days go by and no one's ever going to do that to them. They're never going to worry about going on a walk. They're never going to walk into a store uh, with a hoodie on and have anyone walk them down. They're never going to be accused of something they didn't do. And so unless it matters to you and affects you and as Christ followers, it should matter to us. Like it should matter deeply to us. But time goes on. People get jaded and they forget and they just go, oh, this isn't affecting me. And so it affects Derek every day. It affects me every day because of my kids. And so I think it has to come, Cameron, you're saying, what can we do? I think, A, people, white people in America, we have an obligation to educate ourselves on everything Derek was talking about. And it's not a like, go find a black friend and say, can you tell me all the things in the past 400 (laughs) years? No. Get your butt on Google and order books. You know what I did last week when Derek mentioned that book that he mentioned last week? I ordered it. You know, I've been reading it. That's what we do is we hear things from our men and women of color and they say, hey, this is important. You get on Amazon and you order the book right then and then you read it and you educate yourself and we learn these things and we can't go, oh, that slavery was all those years ago. Everything's fine. Everything is not freaking fine. Like we have got to be aware that everything is not okay and we need to educate ourselves. And I get all stressed out too because I'm like, ah, this is my family. I I, I agree. Uh, I'm in the middle of reading. You're reading the book he talked about last week. I'm in the middle of reading um, the book How to Be a, How to Be an Anti Racist, where it talks about and it talks about the difference between equality and equity mm. and all these nuances. Like it is like white Americans, we need to be proactive in educating ourselves and, and, and then shutting up and listening. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I mean, to hear Derek talk about his experience is like, you're right, Jamie. Like, I'll never know what it feels like. Derek, I saw you interacting with um, KB on Instagram because he was posting this 
tension he was feeling about buying a treadmill. <laughs> and like, he was talking about like, after this, like, I don't feel safe running in my neighborhood. I think I need to buy a treadmill. And then he's like, but wait, then they win, you know, like, and there, he was publicly processing this tension. And I thought reading his posts, I'm like, that would never cross my mind Yeah, that I can't run. And that's a reality for his life, you know, like for a lot of people's lives. And that, that's just like, man, we just need to wake up to this stuff. Cameron, we should post, we should do a post about like, we should all put our like favorite, um, all, all, all of us, all of our favorite books or Netflix specials or shows we've watched just to like, Hey, here's a little launching pad for things that you can read and watch and listen to. All right. I love that idea, Jamie. So how about this? To the listeners and and for y'all too, uh, at the end of this episode, before we close out, we will we will bring Derek will bring Jamie will bring uh, some suggestions of like maybe here's five things that we could all collectively go on Amazon and get and uh, start to start the process of education and understanding. So, all right, that was good. Okay, um, well let's come up for air a little bit. Uh, let's welcome on our old friend Tyler Huckabee for this week's installment of. The hot list. The hot list. It's sizzling. <laughs> the hot list. All right. Welcome, Tyler. Hey, everybody. How's everyone doing? Hey, Tyler. You just joined a very, yeah. uh, like, there's a, it's not a heaviness in the room, but it's like, we just can went, I, can, we just can went can through it. Can I be it. honest about something? The hot list jingle yes, where please. it says it's sizzling and it always feels inappropriate. The whole, the whole thing. <laughs> Tonally, it just seems extra inappropriate today. But uh, I love it though. Today, it's great. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to try to to gently steer out of the the slide here, and uh, with the stories that I've brought today, and and uh, try to be. It'll be an interesting pivot. We'll see how it goes here. I got two stories today. The first one um, is uh, th- this is an interesting one, just because it's been interesting to watch this person's career rise. Natalie Manuel Lee stylist and host of Now with Natalie, who's prepping a new four-part series of conversations with her pal Haley Bieber for Hillsong's YouTube channel. That show, which debuts this Friday, got a new trailer. It looks like an extra interesting and probably a little more authentic than usual uh, look at uh, for, for people who are curious about the inner workings of the Bieber marriage and people who just like refreshingly honest conversations about married life, comparison, culture, and shame, particularly from the vantage point of somebody who's uh, who's a celeb and has kind of a heightened reality for those things. Here is a clip of the trailer that was released. Talk to me about the season leading up to the marriage. We both were just trusting, hey, I believe that you're for me, so we're doing this thing. Mm-hmm. When people saw us get married, I know it was a shock. I got picked apart in a way that I had never been before. I felt like I had hit a little bit of a breaking point. What do you do in those moments? Social media has created an alternate universe. It's made it be this thing where it's show your best and hide the rest. On Instagram, it would look like all was, all was gravy, and then I'd be like in my bed broken crying at night. I know for myself that I really struggled with letting go of my shame. Mm. I couldn't understand what it really meant to be forgiven. And it's like the answer was in front of me the whole time. All the ugly stuff that we both went through, it has to be a bigger conversation to help other people. 
I'm excited about this one. That's on the Hillsong channel on YouTube. Uh, there are some clips being posted to Instagram as well. I got to talk to Natalie last year, and she opened up about the challenges and opportunities she sees for Christians in the entertainment industry. Uh, she told me, quote, we cannot be concerned about offending anyone with God's truth. We need to be concerned about doing the task at hand that he's called us to do. And obviously, that whole conversation is over irrelevantmagazine.com. And if uh, people if people don't know who Natalie is, she's Jerry Lorenzo's sister, uh, Fear of God. Uh, I, I was going to say, they're arguably the coolest family in America because they have another oh, sister, yeah. Angela, who... Angela, yeah, soul cyclist. Yeah, she's a soul cyclist. But when you go to her Instagram, it's not like she's just teaching uh, the average the average Joe and Jane during their lunch break on the spin cycles. It's yeah. like Jay-Z <laughs> and Chris Paul. It's, she has the most casual flexing. Okay. Oh, and yeah. listen, her no brothers, it, it, Jerry, you know, owns, owns like a really dope shoe wear parent, but she even has more casual flexing. Like Jerry Lorenzo has his own action figure. He's a playable character in like NBA 2K. I still give Angela yeah. the coolest flexes in that family because she's got pictures, <laughs> you know, with, with Jay Z on a spin bike. Little known fact I went to school with Angela. She was at or Roberts University when I was there. She was a track star. She was like a national, like Olympic level track star at our Christian <laughs> University. And I learned this when, when I was interviewing Jerry Lorenzo last year, I learned this. Jerry was there at ORU for one year when I was there playing on, um, uh, on the baseball team, I, which I didn't know. I didn't know him as a student. Angela, though, as a student was like too like she was so cool like everybody knew who she was but like you know she was like on another level yeah. you know what i'm saying uh hayley bieber i met her one time because i stepped on her foot trying to crawl over her at church like i was trying to get down the row <laughs> and i and i stepped on her foot and she looked at me with daggers man like straight up like was she <clears throat> hayley bieber then no she was hayley baldwin then uh, okay. but i was like just going for the empty seat, and it's not my fault. It's in the middle. Her, her feet, her feet are probably insured for ten k. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't be surprised. There's no there's, way yeah. that there's not some sort of liability for you there. She has to walk the runway with those. Hey, and I'm I'm totally intrigued by the Bieber's marriage. So I'm I'm in for this, Tyler. It, yeah. I, I will say this: the the Haley Bieber, uh, the uh, Justin Bieber, uh, like celebrity couple. It is the greatest level up of all time for Stephen Baldwin. Like no one, oh, yeah. no one, no one has leveled up faster and harder than Stephen Baldwin in all. The, I think he. Listen, let's just say what it is. He's the winner in all this because I don't. I, I'm pretty sure most people were decided about his status in the Baldwin family. Right now, yeah. thanks to this, thanks to being uh, the the father and father slash father in law to the, you know the in, the ultimate Instagram power couple, he's he's right behind Alec at this point. So so congrats, <laughs> Stephen. This is a level up of leveling up. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Um, I'm just saying what people are thinking. Story. I'm just saying what people are <laughs> well, thinking. No, I, I agree. I, you don't have you don't have to convince me. I feel like Stephen Stephen's it, it's it's a glow up, and the best thing you can do right now is just fade into the background. Just accept accept the, what came with right. this. Accept your new level of celebrity, and don't mess it up by getting an Insta, a Snapchat or whatever, or a TikTok, <laughs> and trying to get skate Jesus back into 
to work Listen, again. I, I saw <laughs> we we had we've we had so much to get to today. I just I will say this. I've seen Stephen Baldwin on a skateboard wearing a fedora before. If there was a man who needed a level up, it was him. Okay. <laughs> that is not a combo. That is not a combo that that you want to see is a skateboard and fedora. No. If there's a skateboard fedora guy hanging out, it's like if there's a long hair dude in the, like a ponytail dude in the mix that night. Everyone deserves to know. Like, hey, guys, just let you know, uh, Tony, he's got a ponytail. He's a ponytail guy. He's going to be hanging out tonight. So I just want to let you know that's happening. And you got to be prepared. That same thing. It's like, hey, guys, just let you know, there's a guy going to be in the crew tonight. He's got a skateboard. He's going to be carrying a skateboard and wearing a fedora. I'm just letting you know what kind of night it's going to be. Speak, good transition. Speaking of ponytail dudes. We already knew that Disney had shelled out a lot of money to get the rights to Hamilton, Lin-Manuel Miranda's Broadway Bonanza. The plan was to, for a live taping of the show to be released to theaters late in 2021. But that was then, and this is now. Hamilton is headed to Disney Plus this July 3rd. You'll be able to enjoy Miranda's spin on America's most famous founder from the comfort of your own home. The movie will apparently be a lot more than just a filmed version of the live show, since Disney is promising that Hamilton will represent, and this is their words here, a leap forward in the art of live capture, which transports its audience into the world of the Broadway show in a uniquely intimate way, combining hmm. the best elements of live theater film and streaming the result is a cinematic stage performance that is a wholly new way to experience hamilton mm. now disney <laughs> this is wild disney shelled out 75 million dollars for the rest of the show cow. oh my god <laughs> <laughs> winning a, a very wow. long and tough bidding war it probably seemed like a smart investment at the time but now there's no theatrical release so the whole thing is just going straight to disney plus wow the price tag probably looks a lot less justifiable now but if anybody can afford to throw away that kind of money it is definitely it is definitely a business that isn't half predicated on thousands of people traveling on airplanes and jamming in crowded lines at amusement parks so they'll be fine i'm not worried i'm not worried they're good Uh, i'm so excited about this you're excited i love hamilton yes i saw it in the theater uh, not the theater but i saw it on stage in houston and i love it so much and i want to take my kids but tickets are like 800 bucks each so i'll I'll just pull them up put them in the living room pop some popcorn and show it to them on july in july derek i gotta ask because what do you think of lynn mill lynn well lynn manuel Manuel miranda yeah uh uh what do you think of his his rapping Oh man! Ah, <laughs> uh, hey, hey, button ready, clerk. Hey man, look, look, man. <laughs> no comment. No, <laughs> okay, I, I, listen. I, li, I, I appreciate it. It's very diplomatic. <laughs> you know what? I'm Obama. This one, real quick. You know what I'm saying? We go. We go. Uh, uh, no, no comment. We cool. Yeah, hey, there you go. Lay good with me, bro. Hey, you know, just in case Disney want to holler at me, I'm gonna be cool. <laughs> so what I'm hearing you reading between the lines, reading between the lines here, I'm hearing you say a top five. Yeah, 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 That's got, what I'm saying. I got like, I got Nas. <laughs> I got right there, sandwiched between like Nas and and Jay Z, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Tupac, okay. Biggie, okay. Raekwon, Lynn, Manuel, Miranda, right there. Oh, I got, I got five. 75 million reasons why he deserves a spot on that list. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, All for right. more of uh, this type of content, go check out Tyler and our daily podcast, Relevant Daily. It's available wherever you get your shows. All right. Thanks, Tyler.
Hey, thanks, everybody. Good to see y'all. It's the hottest, the hottest. It's sizzling. <laughs> I love that mug, bro. Still I, makes me <laughs> makes me really uncomfortable. It makes me really uncomfortable. Seventy five million for that. Disney yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, stay tuned. Up next, Bob Goff joins us. When you do you and I do me, everybody wins. I try my best not to judge because everybody sins. Folks say I'm godly because boss I put forth in body hymns. And here's some fat love Beyonce, this big get body beat. Two minutes, well, that's my doorsteps, I lead you straight to heaven. I mold you like corsets and you forceps to pack a blessing. Straight out the eye of a demon, you can't deny I'm a beacon. For those who calcify, they throw that embers out in the deep end. Oh, yeah, where we all was born. Might not be a crown on your head, but here we all got thorns. And I saw that brick and proud us and Loki got us to keep us divided from our flesh and hopes that we You're listening to Tobe Nwigwe. The song is inspired by fat after we went to the Beyonce concert. We, uh... We uh, he premiered that video this last week. I don't know if you've seen it. We put it on our Instagram at Relevant, and uh, man, it's one of the coolest videos I've ever seen. <laughs> I love it. Man, it's great. I love it. He him. has it. He got he got the juice. Yeah, like, no seriously. Pun intended, but he got he, he got everything. He, yeah, seriously. it's such a cool blend of like music styles to create sort of his own, and you know, cause mm-hmm. he's got that Houston thing, but at the same time, he like has it's you know just these like. Like his approach to like beats is so organic, you know, and, yeah, and instrument yeah. driven. It's really cool stuff. Yeah, yeah, and then the visuals are always crazy. Like yeah. the visuals are insane. Yeah. Yep. Always. When when the baby starts rapping on that music video. Yeah. Anyway, if you have if you haven't seen it, go check out Relevant Magazine on Instagram or his uh, Instagram as well. Uh, well, today's show is brought to you by BetterHelp. Uh, what interferes with your happiness? Is something preventing you from achieving your goals? Um, I know I've gone through a lot of seasons of life where stress and busyness weighed me down. And that's why there's BetterHelp. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You connect in a safe and private online environment, which is not only great for the season we're in, but will be really convenient even when things get back to normal. You can start communicating in under 24 hours. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. And you can send a message to your counselor anytime. If you want to start living a happier life today, try BetterHelp. And right now, as a Relevant Podcast listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash relevant. Join over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash relevant. Well, Bob Goff is a speaker, podcaster, lawyer, professor, human rights advocate, and the author of the New York Times bestsellers, Love Does, and Everybody Always. In the last year, uh, Bob has shifted from speaking to hundreds of thousands of people at conferences every year to focus more on hosting smaller gatherings called Dream Big, where he goes deep in helping people pursue their callings. He's also launched a Dream Big podcast, and next month, he'll be releasing his newest book, Dream Big. Bob's a personal hero of mine, and I recently got the chance to catch up with him to see how he's doing during this quarantine and talk about all the new stuff he's working on. Here's part of my conversation with Bob Goff. So how are you? Uh, how are you holding up in this season that we're in? I've uh, found that I've spent all this time talking to you for years and years about how I want to be a grandpa and stayed home and all that. And so I'm now I'm a grandpa and it's like heaven leans over the rails and says, 
what's your second wish? <laughs> so you're see, I would have oh. thought I think of friends like you that are always traveling and you feed off of being with people that this would be a difficult season for you, but it's not. No, it actually ha- hasn't been at all. I'm not like kind of ricocheting off the walls. What I've uh, done is kind of trying to keep up with all of the things. Cause I bet like you and the people listening, we thought it would be this break, but actually it took an already pretty busy life. And then, uh, you ended up just saying, what's a whole new way of doing that. And so for some people, that's just been a really good thing. And for other people, it's been very disturbing. Um, it's been unsettling. I think there's half the people listening are afraid they'll lose their job. And the other half is afraid they'll keep it. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) So this is, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to make some changes because they say like, actually, uh, this worked out just fine. Yeah. We like, we don't have to go back to how things were, you know, like this new rhythm is somewhat life-giving for a lot of people. Now, I mean, the isolation has been hard for a lot of people too, you know, like not being able to see family and, and friends as well, you know, aside from just the fear of the economic uncertainty and their own health and everything. I think the anxiety, like you said, it's like America is split in two right now. There's the people who are really struggling in this season and the people that are actually going, I needed this shift, (laughs) you know, like I, they're embracing it. Yeah, I think that maybe the word that comes to my mind is uh, how adaptable yeah. that we could be. We uh, we have a this camp that we purchased right before uh, people could stop meeting together, <laughs> which ended up being a pretty bad idea. So um, good idea that they're not meeting. Bad idea to own a camp at a time that you're not meeting. But we uh, put some seeds in the ground uh, just in case the uh, whole food supply stopped. Uh, and then it rained, which actually never happens in San Diego. And the craziest thing, uh, we came back the next week, there were polywogs in there. I planted asparagus seeds. I got polywogs. And I think there must be some resident frogs around there kind of doing it. Next time, I'm just going to plant jelly beans and see if I get cake pops. <laughs> but, but it made me think, I'm just so fascinated by these polywogs when I'm out there i'm uh trying to see like how far along are they in their journey to becoming a frog and i think the same is true for me i've been measuring over this last six or seven weeks like how's my journey and i'd already grown legs uh, but what i want to do is be a new creation so i want to be a better different more kind of up-to-date version of bob like aware of why i'm doing what i'm doing knowing what i want figuring out why i want it And then I think most importantly, deciding what I'm going to do about it. And so I think that would be a great thing for people listening to say, so what do you want? Why do you want it? What are you going to do about it? Those would be three great questions to answer. I've noticed a lot of people have used this season to rethink, what am I doing with my life? You know, like, like maybe my job won't be there on the other side of it. And maybe this is an opportunity to pivot and pursue something that I'm more passionate about. We've seen a lot of people use this as a springboard to like actually positive life change. Yeah. And so I'm really, uh, you don't have to go to the Galapagos 
go up, go silence to learn how to adapt uh, and to evolve. And so what I want to do is adapt and evolve into like more current Bob. And I think it'll involve sticking around more. I'm getting a lot more enjoyment out of going really deep with fewer people than um, really broad with more people. And they're both terrific uh, for different reasons. And so I just want to make sure that I'm up to date on about why I'm doing what I'm doing. It's just great to uh, use this time to uh, kind of tend to your own fire rather than tending to everybody else's fire. And so what can happen in uh, a normal season is that we're spending a lot of time looking outward and we'll have words of correction or words of, you know, encouragement to other people. And um, I just feel like uh, I'm no longer the umpire calling balls and strikes. I want to be the base coach. Uh, just saying, just run, run your game, do that. And just, it's not that I don't care about what's going on with other people's lives. I just want to feel like I can bring my best, most humblest version of me to the game. And if I could just be, adjacent. So watching you as you're uh, learning and growing and evolving, I just love just being adjacent to that. I'm just delighting in there. I'm not holding up a scorecard like it's the Olympics. Uh, and I don't expect you to do triple flip, spike it and throw your hands over your heads uh, and wait for the cheers. I just think what we need to do is realize that we're all in tremendous need of uh, grace and love and acceptance and we're all insecure we just deal with our insecurities different ways some people are mean like a rattlesnake <laughs> and some are quiet like a church mouse i'm married to one of the quiet like a church mouse ones and some people like me are funny to deal with my insecurity so i would just say if you're listening that would be a great time of reflection did you say hey wow how do i deal with my insecurity some deal with it by focusing the attention on somebody else and i just want to say just return to your own fire <laughs> just go fan the coals there To see more of that conversation, check out the full Q&A over at relevantmagazine.com. And to find out more about Dream Big, check out bobgoff.com. Stay tuned. Up next, it's Slices. You're listening to Elevation Worship featuring Brandon Lake. The song is Graves Into Gardens. Uh, the song is the title track for the newest project, Graves Into Gardens, which is available now. The full album can be streamed wherever you listen to music. Okay, it's time for Slices. What do you have, Jesse? Uh, I'm bringing back the twofer. 
this week. Uh, it's where I do two <laughs> slices in the time allotment of one because I am that kind of communicator. And <laughs> and I also might throw in a hot take here that I texted Cameron about last night. I don't know if there's time. I got a lot to get to today. But first one, Jamie, this first one is for you uh, because a lot of people, uh, you know, you know, when they, they heard me talk, uh, I can't remember if it was last week or the week before. I think it was the week before about the about how the United States government, the Defense Department, the Pentagon, they they chose now in in, a, in the middle of a global pandemic, like on a Friday afternoon, to confirm the existence of UFOs. No big deal. No big deal. We're just going to slide <laughs> this headline right under the president freaking out in front of everyone at the White House about wearing masks or not. So no big deal, you know. So so it kind of flew under the radar. Uh, it was. A, it seemed to me to be a strategic time to release the news that hey. UFOs are out there. Well, there's a website called The Drive that focuses on military and government news. And they did a Freedom of Information Act request. And they were looking for very specific things, specifically certain types of incident reports that pilots have to document if if they see something weird out in the sky. And guess Mm -hmm. what? The drive got this week a bunch of reports of more weird aircraft that fighter pilot jets have seen off the coast of Virginia Beach, my hometown. Okay, (laughs) this this is a this is a quote from one of the reports. He saw an uh, quote an unknown aircraft that appeared to be small in size, approximately the size of a suitcase, and silver in color. Uh, mm. The pilot was only able to pass within fifteen thousand feet or a thousand feet of it, and could not identify it. After that pass, they lost sight of it, never regained visual contact again. But what? these started happening so hold frequently. On. Maybe maybe it was hold a hold suitcase hold on, hold on, that fell out on. of an airplane. That's what I'm saying. It's a su- size of a suitcase. I'm a thousand feet away. How can you even know? <laughs> Anything well, about well, it. they started seeing other weird objects that were flying, and they these objects were flying so close to the fighter jets, and they were in different sizes and shapes and colors. That in the report it says it is only a matter of time before one of our crafts collides with theirs. They're, these aircraft are right off the east coast doing who knows what teasing. <laughs> listen, listen, if you're out there, if you're teasing fighter jet pilots. I have reason to be concerned. Okay. Like that is like, that is like the new kid at school. It's not like he goes to the playground and picks on the the little guy. He goes up to the bully and just starts pushing him. That's what they're doing. They're like, okay, we're just going to go and tease fight. These fighter jets are fighter jets. Okay. We sell top gun. They're not going after the jet blue airplanes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They know what what they're doing. They're going for some sky bus. They're not taunting those guys. They're taunting our fighter pilots. There's reason to be concerned here. So I thought, you know what? I live close to where this latest action is. I better I better bone yeah. up on my my aircraft ability because <laughs> I don't know when I'm going to be called into duty. You know, I right. it, it, we've seen you guys seen Independence Day. At some point, right. everyone has yeah. to go. Everyone has to, you know, a crop duster save the universe. Spoiler alert in that movie. I don't know when I'm going to be called into duty. Here, okay. So I'm going to be prepared. Right. Podcaster so saves the universe. <laughs> so, so that's why I was very excited when uh when spacex 
the the company owned by Elon Musk, the controversial right. and very very entertaining Elon Musk. Uh, he uh, SpaceX released this week a simulator. It's free uh, for the SpaceX Crew Dragon, which is this uh, you know craft that they're going to send up to the International Space Station, and they actually right. created a simulator for future astro- SpaceX astronauts to use to practice docking at the International Space Station. I was like, sweet. I am definitely going to try that. I, I've told people what I was capable of at space camp. You guys heard. Right. I landed <laughs> I landed a, 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 the whatever the, that shuttle is. The uh, what, What's it called? Space shuttle. The, the, the space big shuttle. One, the big white one with wings. The, okay? The space shuttle. I landed it's a space shuttle. Not even on the runway. in the trees. In the trees with the cargo doors open. And everyone survived. Yeah. So... <laughs> So, so the news is that SpaceX has released this simulator, simulator so, of their cabin, like for free for everybody. Exactly. So, so I was play. like, all right, okay. I got to jump on here. There's aliens right off, right off the coast where I live. I got to <laughs> right. be prepared. I don't know. They might take right. the aliens. Might want me on their side. I don't know. All I know <laughs> oh is God. it's not going to hurt to get a couple reps in docking with the International Space right. Station. Okay, this is your yeah. moment. I was this is your moment. I was part of your crew at space camp, and you do need a few reps. You need to kind of practice it <laughs> a little I, bit. What if I you're lack in skill, I make up for in pure, uh, 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 you know, ill-informed confidence of misguided confidence. <laughs> and so I, so I, so I, so I loaded up this simulator. Guys, don't waste yeah. your time. It is the most boring simulator ever. Like, here's <laughs> really? I'm not, I'm not, I, and here's why I've never been into space stuff and it's like pulling teeth. Here's why I realized why I'm doing this simulator. Like, you're hitting the arrows yeah. and it's sort of, it's sort of moving very slowly. You see the thing off in the distance. Everything's super slow in space, guys. Like, like yeah. everything's just kind of floating, you know? And it's like, this isn't fun. This is no fun at all. I, it's like landing a blimp. Uh, it's so boring. Like, yeah, I wonder if I'm going to be able to dock it. I can, I can see it a mile away and I'm moving about, I'm moving as fast as I can walk. It's like, hey, I wonder if I can land this blimp in a giant, giant hole. And it's like, I'm pretty certain I absolutely can. That's how this city simulators it's super boring everything in space moves slow there's huge margin of error yeah. there's no wonder the aliens are taunting us they they they, they, they see what we're busy doing lame simulators don't waste your time people it's so boring there you go <laughs> rant over uh there, you i know you have another rant in i the do hopper I, but because I, you were texting me i i, I, I was texting team? you last night and i'm trying to decide right now if we need to wait till next week, because I know we got a lot to get I, to, and it's going to be. A long I think rant. it's a next week rant because your the thing will not go away, no, so you can talk about it next week. Dang. All right, what do you what do you have, Jamie? Well, now I'm just like anxious for next week about Jesse's rant. I, I can't wait. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a good. It's fire. It is. It's fire. a hot take. Cameron okay, knows. Okay. it's a hot take. Well, I was going to bring you the story about. Um, Hamilton, I'm so excited about that, but I got another one for you guys. Don't worry. Uh, there is a, I'm, a, I'm going to quote that I did not make this up, a nacho average showdown happening Friday night. What? So the day you're listening to this, when this show comes out, Guy Fieri, is that how you say his last yes. name? Fieri? Yeah. Uh-huh. Fieri. Him yeah. and his son are going to battle Bill Murray and his son from their homes with a nacho average showdown. Yes! A nacho building contest live on Facebook Food Network's Facebook page. Bill Murray, let's go. My money on Bill, baby. So you get your family around. 
4 o'clock Central, 5 Eastern, and you can watch them have this showdown. And it's it's to raise money. And there is this organization called uh, Restaurant Employee Relief Fund. And Guy Fieri has already given, they've raised tons of money for people in the restaurant industry uh, that have been affected by the coronavirus pandemic. And so Friday night, Nacho Average Showdown. And I love nachos. I mean, sometimes during the school year when our kids are in bed, Aaron and I are like, you want nachos? And we'll just make nachos. That's like three times a week, four times a week for me, Jamie. The kids come out in the morning and all the stuff is left in the sink. And they're like, y'all had nachos last time? I'm like, yeah, that's what we do. We put you guys to bed and then we eat nachos. I love nachos so much. And so Friday night, guys, showdown. Nacho Average Showdown. I I love Guy Fieri. Talk about a level up. Guy Fieri's really leveled up in the last couple of years. Like he used to be, he used to be just the donkey sauce guy that, and I think I've used this analogy before. It looks like a hot topic. It looks like a hot topic exploded on to him. Like, and and clothing and hair dye just randomly landed on. He's like, all right, well, I guess this is my look now, you know, but (laughs) like a nineties hot topic, like in an old mall, they forgot that. He need to level that haircut up. Though he need to level that haircut and no, kill the le- Hawaiian shirts. Hey, Dude, he leaned, he's riding that. He leaned in and he's just like, guys, this is my thing. Yeah. And <laughs> he's riding that into the sunset. And, yeah, and he's yeah. actually, that- and it turns out, like, despite despite his look. You know, which is not aging well. I don't know that when he began it, it was it was the, the right choice. But uh, Are you talking, it, it, it's kind of like when Hulk Hogan went bald. Yeah, you know, like it, like his look didn't like yeah, age right. Yeah. Aged, yeah. It, it hasn't aged. Like the spiky leather bracelets just aren't you know doing what they did back on at the, corner, the Affliction T shirts, Cornerstone yeah. ninety eight or whatever. So, um, but anyway, I do think he seems like a pretty good dude that is using his platform to all constantly raise money for for worthy causes so good for guy good for guy good for guy we have uh here in orlando uh we have a guy fieri chicken joint mm. um it's and it's like donkey sauce is on mm. the sign and stuff yeah. i mean it's so if you ever have a hankering i can and get you some guy fieri yeah. uh what do you have derek uh so lifeway i guess they polled multiple churchgoers and pastors about sermon length and they had two uh different classes uh, were the sermons less than 20 minutes or were they between 20 to 40 minutes or were they more than 40 minutes well most people kind of landed in the sermon is between 20 to 40 minutes but it right. kind of when you get to the extreme is when the churchgoers and the pastors kind of got off kilter 31 percent of pastors said my sermon is less than 20 minutes but 14 percent of the churchgoers are like nah it's 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 not less than 30 minutes and it's totally opposite so most people are like our sermon and long story short most people are like the sermons are way too long me growing up in a black church i'm gonna tell you now they definitely did not poll any black people because black church <laughs> is six it's hours long longer it's six Dude. hours it literally would be 91 percent. but i think the pastors also know that their sermons are more than 40 minutes like this is definitely not yeah it, it would be a no-brainer for us i grew up in pentecostal church and and it was a two and a half hours uh, was normal. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't. It was a sermon or the whole thing. No, the whole thing. Yeah. It'd okay. be ten thirty to one, ten thirty oh, to man. one, and like, but the sermon was over an hour, man. And no like, questions. I mean, and and you're pushing one, and like he dropped that. Okay, you know, final final point <laughs> kind of tease, right? But he's going another thirty five <laughs> after yeah, that. He, he, you know, like you're kind of going, oh man, we're going to lunch. Here, like he's wrapping up. He's not. You know, up. people watch Sunday football every Sunday. You know, and and it's like, yeah. I I went to you know growing up, I was in the black church when I went to uh 
to, you know, grew, went, went to college and went to college church or whatever. Like everybody had to get out by 12 so they could watch kickoff. I never saw a kickoff ever. To this never day, saw I'm a not kickoff. a football <laughs> fan because of that. Like I, I it's, I'm just not. Me too. I, I don't think I could. Me too. I, don't, I honestly don't think I could go to a church that interfered, interfered with kickoff. Like, I, hold on, hold on, hold on. Exactly, Derek, hold on. Hey, hey, I don't think I could. Derek, listen. <laughs> Derek, I'm the same as you do. We wouldn't leave. A service would end around one. Yep. We would then fellowship. So we're not leaving the building until one thirty-two. Yep. Then we'd have to go to Sunday lunch. Well, I'm not home till three three thirty. I missed all the games. I'm not a football pro football fan either all, because man. of the same thing. Absolutely. Sunday was about church. Sunday night church too. I'm sure. Oh, yeah. And so you missed we would, Sunday night games. When I was when I was a kid, there was Sunday night church, and then when I was a teenager, we would host a youth group small group at my house uh-huh. and so I had to start getting the house ready for small group I never saw a football game Ever. until see, I was an adult see, see yeah. my, my pastor <laughs> I, my pastor's growing up they would wear football jerseys to church and that's how you know okay I'll be out on time he's wearing especially listen especially that one year Tebow was like lighting it up in Denver every pastor in America's like we gotta get out of here go watch our, the miracle happen here's the red flag for sermon times okay is when the when yeah. there's an acronym within the acronym okay that's how you know oh, we're yeah. in trouble today guys you know we're, we're you know we're, we're going you know i thought when there was a three-point sermon on joy and then yeah. i thought we were fine but then when he he busted out an acronym within the o we're in big trouble yeah. guys you know, yeah, we're we, in big trouble. buckle up buckle up he's he's doing a two for yeah, sermon yeah, exactly. he's doing he's a two, for, two yeah, sermons yeah. in here that you can't do that one acronym <laughs> per sermon all right Well, that'll do it for Slices. Stay tuned. Up next, Darius Daniels joins us. You're listening to Super Whatever. The song is Melancholyism, which a lot of people have right now in the quarantine. Well, we wanted to uh, bring on Darius Daniels to the show. Uh, if you don't know him, Dr. Darius Daniels is the senior pastor of Change Church, which is a huge ministry with more than 6,000 members in New Jersey and Orlando. Uh, Darius got his master's from Princeton Theological Seminary, so he is smarter than you, and his doctorate from Fuller Theological Seminary. He's the author of several books. The most recent is called Relational Intelligence, The People Skills You Need for the Life of Purpose You Want. And he's also the host of the newest podcast on the Relevant Podcast Network, appropriately titled The Darius Daniels Podcast. Uh, It debuted at number one in the Christian category on Apple Podcasts this week. So uh, very cool that everybody uh, jumped on and supported the show. Welcome to the Relevant Podcast, Darius. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be a part of the Relevant family. I I just want to make one correction, Cameron. I need to to make one correction regarding my introduction. You said right. I was smarter than most people. <laughs> yeah, that is true. That's though. not true. I just wrote more papers than most people. <laughs> okay. that's, that's true. Okay. All right. I'll take that. So, so, okay. The idea for this podcast, let's tell the truth behind the scenes. The idea for this podcast happened at an Orlando Magic game. Yes. Right? I think they lost. We were saying they that- probably lost. I don't remember the game, but they, I'm sure they lost. Why are you? 
I'm sure they lost though. I'm like 90% sure. Uh, they, okay, they did not lose that night. They played Philly though. That oh, we were both at the game. Okay. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you. So Derek, Derek's a big Pistons fan. And you're a big Sixers fan yeah. and a Jordan fan, I guess. Yeah. And uh, I'm a Magic fan. So, all right. Well, so we were at the game and and I'm sitting there, we're just talking and I'm like, I would listen to you talk. Why don't you have a podcast? You know? And you're like, man, I've been wanting to do one. And so next thing we know, uh, we worked together and launched this thing and it's been a lot of fun. So tell us, tell the listeners a little bit about your idea for the show and what you want to do with, with the new podcast. Well, one, I think it just kind of lines up a lot with the vision of relevant and the contribution it's making to the culture. So I feel like it was kind of a perfect partnership for me in that sense. Um, because I am a person of faith, but I do believe that our faith needs to live itself out in life and in culture. And so I was having all of these conversations with people about everything that's going on, not just in their faith, but in their life and in their culture and and in culture, excuse me. And people have perspectives on it, opinions about it, questions about it. Some of it impacted their life. Some of it was just stuff they were interested in and they needed. They wanted a, a perspective that just kind of lines up with their worldview. So that was kind of the heart behind the podcast. In the sense that, okay, I do sermons every week. People hear that, but there are a lot of other things that impacts people's life that they want and need to hear conversations about. And there are things I have interest in and I just wanted to talk about. And so I felt like this was the appropriate avenue to do it. Uh, you guys came alongside and have been great in terms of the, the guidance you've given me. Shout out to Clark. Kent, aka Superman, <laughs> who, who really helped on the tech, tech side, but it's just it's just been a great experience so far. I'm really excited about it. One of my favorite parts of the show is not only the guests that you have on. The first episode, you had Judah Smith. You've got guests like Mike Todd coming up, and Christine Kane, and a bunch of uh, a bunch of leaders. But one of my favorite parts of the show is at the end when listeners ask you questions. Because I mean, my favorite thing is like, I don't want to hear you interview somebody. I want to hear, I want to hear your insights about a lot of stuff. Yeah. And so I love that the listeners can like kind of lob you everything from like last week. Somebody asked you about the Jordan documentary. Yes. Cause I know you're, yeah. And then there's kind of like all, all aspects of life and being stuck in quarantine and stuff. And it's really cool. I like that part of the show a lot. Yeah, it's one of my favorite parts too, because here's the thing, especially when you're interviewing communicators, communicators talk. They talk a lot and a lot of stuff they're saying yeah, they is do. good, but they talk a lot. And so, <laughs> and, so, and so sometimes all their conversations are great, but sometimes they are not as broad as you would like for them to be. And then sometimes they're just things that are happening in the world that need to be discussed that that person may not be as passionate about or interested in. So I think the Q&A part, gives me a chance to hear what people are thinking. And that helps me in so many different ways. And it also gives me a chance to kind of speak into like these broad issues that matter to me that I'm interested in and that matter to a lot of people. So actually it's my favorite part of the show. I think um, yeah, is man. not just answering them, but just seeing some of the things that people are asking and thinking about now. Okay. So to you guys, you know, Darius is a masterful communicator, mm -hmm. speaker, things like that. New to podcasting. Yeah. Jamie, you've got you you've got one of the most popular podcasts out there, and Jesse, you've been podcasting since two thousand five. So, I'm just wondering if y'all have any tips for Darius as he's entering this new medium. Jamie, Jamie, do you want to go first? Sure, I'll go first. Darius, first of all, congratulations! Thank uh, you. Great new show, hitting number one that first week. 
such a great thing to happen. Here's my advice, okay? You hit number one. That's amazing. Uh, I say this to people all the time. Make the show you want to make and don't worry about where you end up on the charts. Because the charts can be deceiving. We all know this. Um, Not not deceiving last week. That's amazing. But I'm just saying, make the show you want to make and don't get caught up in where you land each week. Great. That's good. I, don't, I haven't looked at charts. I saw you hit it last week, number one, because I think Relevant posted it, but I don't hardly ever look over there. Mm-hmm. That's smart. Good. That is Thank good. you. Jesse. So Darius, yeah, here's what I've learned. And I've learned that great podcasters are like great magicians. And here's why. If you've, if you've ever watched <laughs> David Blaine encased in a giant cube of ice for like eight days, and he's just, right. he just hanging in there and just the world's watching and you're like, wow, so how is he doing that? It's because he's naturally learned to suppress what many people thought were involuntary things happening in his body. He can slow his heart rate. He can lower his body temperature, just live in that ice block. And it's amazing. We all have something in us that is this little voice. Where are you invo- going? Just listen, this involuntary voice that tells us. Jesse, are you a preacher? Do you, Don't, are you a preacher? I, <laughs> I'm 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 bringing some truth, right? I'm, this is, but we all have this involuntary thing, this little voice that tells us, "Don't say yeah. that. It will be funny, but people might get mad. People might get offended." I've learned, like David Blaine, can slow his heart to just quiet that voice, yeah. and I say whatever I think without any filter, and I've silenced those involuntary things, and I just let her rip, and I don't think twice, because the podcast, and at the end of the day, I find podcast listeners very, very forgiving when I say wild, crazy, inappropriate things, so really let her rip, Darius, like, don't feel like you gotta hold back on, on the list. Wow. That's my advice. My Listen, advice. I'm taking that. Clark Kent and OG, Jesse, 05, was that? I was alive at 05. 05. Yeah, you're the OG. <laughs> For real, yeah, that's so great. We've been, dude, that's we've been doing this. We've been doing this podcast since August 2005. That's when Relevant Podcast launched. That's amazing. So 15 years this yeah. year, which is a lot of somehow. Talking. It's just somehow <laughs> I've only been kicked off the internet three times, and those <laughs> have been addressed. And See, Jesse, funny. I listen to that voice every day. Every day, I'm like, "Don't do it, don't do it," and I don't do it. And see, I'm still no. You're like, <laughs> yeah. Jamie has literally asked me before. She's like, "Do you ever get this little thing?" She's like, "Maybe you shouldn't say that." I was like, "Oh no, I, I stopped listening to that years ago. Years ago." <laughs> I love it. Well, hey, everybody, go check out uh, the Darius Daniels podcast. It's available wherever you get your shows. Um, It is the first of kind of what you'll see from from Relevant this year. We're going to be launching several uh, exciting new shows in the coming months. And uh, Darius, we are excited to partner with you on it, man. And I'm a fan. I mean, I just like the show. So we're excited to help you get it out there. So uh, go check it out on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows. Thanks for joining us, Darius. Thank you. Been great. Thanks, Darius. Hey, everybody. Stay tuned. Up next, we have a special game, Quarantine Edition. You're listening to Younger Hunger. The song is second best. Okay. It is time for... Now, Now here, here's the deal. Last week on the show, we were talking about favorite things and stuff. And you guys both, Jamie and Derek, you guys both talked about your love of games, like board games and stuff. Monopoly. Tara, 
terrible. So we thought this week on the show to make y'all comfortable, we would bring a special game for you guys. It is the debut of Trivial Pursuit Quarantine Edition. (laughs) (laughs) Here's how it's going to work. Now, now Jesse, for 10 years, would be the author of all of our games. And so he would usually host them and things like that. He's actually going to play this week. So it's a little different. You know, I, because of this podcast, I have a very transferable job skill, which is writing absurd podcast games. So (laughs) it's basically this and wait, wait, don't tell me are the only people in the world that would ever want this to, to, you know, me to do this. But, uh, but I'm excited to be on that. So, uh, yeah. So, so what we're going to do is going to be seven rounds, seven questions. That's it. We're going to do uh, buzzer style, like Jeopardy style, like buzz in. If you want to answer it, it'll be a combination of multiple choice and true and false questions, all related to quarantine topics. Okay. Nice. Not diseases, but life during the mm-hmm. quarantine. Okay. Yeah. All right. Here we go. First question. Buzz in if you if you want to answer it. It is a multiple choice question. Here we go. First question. More than 60 million U.S. adults have a Netflix subscription. Everybody's streaming right now. 60 million have a Netflix subscription. What percentage of users, according to a survey, are watching without paying thanks to password and account sharing? Is it A, 7%, B, 16%, C, 22%, or D, 41%? Derek. I'm definitely going to go with 22%. 22%. That is incorrect. Jamie. 7%. Incorrect. What? Jesse? I had a feeling right Jesse? out of the gate. It's got to be 40. It's got to be 40. F- correct. <laughs> 40, 41, 41% of Netflix users are stealing it. Uh, 20, 27% are watching uh, in the household. Somebody else in the household is paying for it. 14% are using a password that they got from somebody else. So uh, 14%. So 41%. My yep. mom uses my password, so there I'm just go. gonna out my mom. Yep. Uh-huh. yep. All right. Hey. Second question. So Jesse's up one nothing. Uber Eats. Everybody's ordering yep. food right now, right? Uber Eats saw orders jump forty percent in March. Forty percent, according to the company. What was the most popular takeout dish? Here's multiple choice: A. Fried chicken. B. Pad Thai. C. Chicken t- tikka masala. Or D. Burritos. Jamie. Pad Thai. It is Pad Thai. Wow. That is correct. Good. Uber good. Eats. We order Pad Thai all the time at our house. I feel Dang. like Pad Thai is a good Uber Eats order because like all the ingredients just kind of get to know each other a little on the drive <laughs> over. Gonna, <laughs> because yeah. some yeah, Uber yeah. Eats, you're like, I don't think these waffles are going to translate, dude. Uh, you, know, you know, they've been in that dude, car too long, you know? Burritos. One of the worst. Ugh. Yeah. One of the worst is, is tacos because uh, sauces yeah. make it all yeah. soggy it, it, by the time it, it, it yeah, gets you want to you. Hard shell or soft shell? It doesn't matter. They're going to be soft by the time it, it doesn't matter. They're all soft. Yeah, they're, yeah. So it's going to be soft just, when I get yeah, it. All right. And soft. That's all. All right. So Jamie won and Jesse won. All right. Here we go. Third question is a true or false? True or false? If you're laying on the couch and drop something and you can't reach it, then you probably don't need it. True or false? Derek. Um, that's absolutely false. <laughs> it's true. If you dropped it and you can't reach it, you do not need it. What? Mm-hmm. It is a tr- this is subjective. Yeah, yeah, totally like, subjective. Oh. That is my opinion. Like, I, I'm, okay. I am laying. I am laying there. 
I am not Listen, getting off that scouts to go get that thing. Listen, Harvard research. I don't need it. I know that my quote unquote doctor says to take my quote unquote diabetes medicine every night at quote unquote 5 p.m. on the dot. It's all the way over there. So, yeah, no. All right. All right. So still Jesse won and Jamie won. Question I four suck. is multiple choice. <laughs> multiple choice. Here we go. Right, let's go. I'm going to get one. During quarantine, during quarantine, SNL, Saturday Night Live, has debuted DIY type at home episodes featuring socially distanced sketches and big name guests. Okay. This is a real question. I didn't make this up. Who is the first and so far only SNL cast member to receive an Oscar nomination while, while on the show, while cast member on the show actively? Is it A, Eddie Murphy, B, Tina Fey, three, uh, C, Kristen Wiig, or D, Billy Crystal? Jesse? I'm going to say it is um, uh, Tina Fey. Incorrect. Derek, are you going to take a guess? Oh, it's clearly guessing here. Uh, yeah. Just guess Eddie one. Murphy, Eddie Murphy, Kristen Wiig, or Billy Crystal is what's left. I'll say I'll give. I take a guess. Man, that's hard. Uh, I want to go with Eddie, but nah. I think we're gonna say Billy Crystal. Incorrect. All right, you're, no it's, uh, Jamie, Dang. Jamie, Eddie, Eddie, or Kristen. Eddie. Incorrect. You guys all got it wrong. It's Kristen. Kristen Wiig. Kristen Wiig was nominated for Best Original Screenplay for her work in 2012's Bridesmaids oh, while she was on the show. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. So nice. four questions down, only two correct answers. One for Jesse, <laughs> one for Jamie. All right. We got uh, three questions left. Here we go. Question number five is multiple choice. And there's a quarantine themes here, okay? When were sweatpants invented? And by whom? <laughs> Sweatpants. Uh, A, in Los Angeles in the 1950s by Howard Champion. B, in Philadelphia in 1824 by Bob Sweat. Sweatpants. Bob Sweat. C, in France in the 1920s by Le Coq Sportif. Or D, in Russia in the 1880s as military apparel. Or, or, or E, in Bill's mom's basement one night when Bill <laughs> uh, blew out the jeans and had to find an alternative. <laughs> All right. Anyway, all B, right. and I'm Take, gonna go with the okay. obvious answer. B, Mr. Sweat. <laughs> that is incorrect. Oh my god. <laughs> okay. Hey, I'm sure there's somebody in the world in the, in the history of the world named Bob Sweat, but sweatpants were not named after Bob Sweat. So just FYI. All right. Just okay, yeah, Jamie. The Russians. The Russian Incorrect. It is not military right. apparel from the 1880s it. Russian uh, army. Champion. Oh, okay. Back to Derek. Back to Ch Derek. It gotta okay. be champion. Is it champion? No, it's the French. It's Howard, the French. Cha the French. Howard Champion was not the f the founder of Champion. That's just a dude. It was the French, <laughs> wasn't it? Oh my god, bro. Jesse, Jesse, call the it French. It's the French. Okay, yeah. in France in the 1920s by Le Coq Sportif. That was when sweatpants were invented. It's it such by a the French, French thing to designers. do because they're like, hey, yeah. we're gonna invent these pants and act like they're cool because they're French. The rest of the world's gonna be wearing them, and then we're gonna be like, ha ha, suckers, you're wearing sweatpants. <laughs> <laughs> You got fun. Fun fact about sweatpants. I wear them every day. So there you go. Right now. That's a, that's a fun fact. All right. True or false is the next one. Ready? True or false. Two, two questions or three questions left. Sorry. There are eight total. All right. Right now, Jesse two, Jamie one, Derek, Derek zero. But Derek, you got three left that you can pull ahead. So here we go. True or false. 
a lot of people are struggling because they can't get haircuts right now. That's not the true or false. That is yeah. true. Uh, that's just context. That's true. Here's the true or false. Uh, the world's longest documented hair. The world's longest documented hair belongs to Xi Kuiping in China in 2004 when it measured in at 18 feet, 5.54 inches. True or false? False. It was 18 feet, 0.5536 inches. So is that your official false. answer? Are false. you saying false? false. It is uh, true. Jamie got in there. Jamie got in there. It is true. Uh, she has been growing her hair since 1973 from the age of 13. And her, the quote in 2004, she said, it's no trouble at all. I'm used to it. There you go. 18 feet long hair. Okay. Now it's tied. Jesse to Jamie to two questions left. Here we go. Uh, but J- uh, Derek, you will have an opportunity to jump into the lead because this question is worth three points. Oh, I, I'm about three to win points. this one. Let's go. Come on. Here we go. So question number seven. The pandemic has put many Hollywood movies on hiatus. Now, this will be a multiple choice, including Matt Reeves's upcoming Batman reboot. We talked about Batman uh, starring Robert Pattinson as Batman, right? So which one of the following actors was not considered for the lead role in the first Batman movie, which ended up starring Michael Keaton? Okay, so which of these actors was not considered for the role that went, ended up going to Michael Keaton? Here we go. A, Daniel Day-Lewis. B, Alec Baldwin. C, Jeff Goldblum. Or D, Charlie Sheen. Jamie. Alec Baldwin. Who's left? A, Daniel Day-Lewis. C, Jeff Goldblum. Or D, Charlie Sheen. Jesse. Daniel Day-Lewis. What? All right. It's up to you, Derek. I'm going going Charlie Sheen on this. Incorrect. The only actor not considered for the lead role that went to Michael Keaton was Jeff Goldblum. He was not considered Charlie Sheen. Tim Burton's original wish list included Daniel Day-Lewis, Alec Baldwin, and Charlie Sheen. But Daniel Day-Lewis, Baldwin, and Sheen were all in serious uh, contingent, along with Tom Cruise, Kurt Russell, Johnny Depp, Pierce Brosnan, Harrison Ford, Kevin Costner, and no kidding, Bill Murray. Mm, I would love that. So, Michael <laughs> Keaton. Really nice opportunity there. So, last question. All right, here's the last question. It's a true or false. It's a true or false. Last question. Right now, it's 2-2-0. Last is this, question. Is this question is about co- your life, Cameron, or anything else? This is an actual question, not okay. my thoughts about dropping the remote okay. behind the couch. Okay. So, I have actually ended up watching like seven episodes of The Office because the remote was too far away and I didn't and feel like getting up. my so. drawstring lasso just wasn't working like it should. <laughs> all right, true or false, this is worth three points, so it's pretty much winner take all. Here it Let's is. Go. Uh, breakfast cereal sales have grown 214% in the U.S. since the lockdown began. That's a fact. According to the Quaker Oats Company, 214%, that's crazy. Captain is both Captain Crunch's military rank and his actual first name. So, true or false, according to the Quaker Oats Company, Captain is both Captain Crunch's military rank and his actual first name. Derek? False. False is correct. Yes! Captain, <laughs> Captain Crunch's actual first name is... This is true. Listen. Captain Crunch's actual first name is Horatio, according <laughs> to the Quaker Oats Company. <laughs> he is 
Captain, Captain Horatio, Horatio Crunch. That is correct. Yeah. I, I will say, I will say that makes him seem much more menacing in like a, a nautical battle. Like Captain Horatio Crunch. Okay, turn it around. Tack on back. Don't cross him. I, trust me. Trust me. He'll board your ship and then to torture you, he's going to make the, the roof of your mouth all cut up. Derek just won. Derek just won. Three oh, to two losing. to two. Congratulations, though. Hey, what about trophy? Yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll email it to you. Uh, so that is the debut and probably finale uh, episode of Trivial Pursuit Quarantine Edition. Oh man. Okay. Well, many thanks to Bob Goff for joining us. Pre-order his new book, Dream Big, now, and you can find out more at bobgoff.com. And remember, uh, go over to relevantmagazine.com to read more of our Q&A with him. There was a lot more that we talked about. Also, thank you to Darius Daniels for joining us. You can check out his new podcast on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your shows. And uh, thanks to Tyler for joining us. You can check him out every day with our podcast, Relevant Daily, where we cover what's happening at the intersection of faith and culture in about 10 minutes. Okay, now, before we say our goodbyes, I mentioned at the beginning of the show that now we would bring you guys uh, a few recommendations of resources, books, and things that you can engage to better educate yourself about uh, the important racial issues facing our country right now. So do you guys have a couple recommendations? I got one. I read a book last summer. I mentioned her earlier. Her name's Latasha Morrison and she wrote a book called Be the Bridge. And it is a great introductory book, but it is not light. It is full of depth. I, I, it is a book I say every person should read and every American should read Just Mercy as well by Brian Stevenson. Absolutely. Those are my two. Yeah. Derek? I got uh, The New Jim Crow. And excuse me, mm-hmm. between the world and me and dirty little secrets, mm. I'd say those those three uh, and the thirteenth documentary is amazing. Like if you're not a reader, definitely check out the thirteenth documentary. It's it's very it's enlightening. On yep. It, it, on Netflix, and if yep. I can just piggyback on one, Derek, it, the Tanahasi Coats. The yep. uh, if even if you if you haven't read Between the World and Me, in the meantime, before you're waiting for Amazon to deliver it, check out his essay, The Case for Reparations, uh, mm. that ran in the Atlantic a few years ago. It's still a really powerful look at uh, systemic injustices and and some some ways that they can be addressed in, in modern America. Very good essay from one of the premier writers in America, Tanasi Coates. On that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Jamie Ivey. And I'm Derek Miner. We will see you next week. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Relevant Podcast. Check out our features, interviews, and news updates every day at RelevantMagazine.com. And make sure to follow Relevant on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for the latest. For more great podcasts, check out our Relevant Podcast Network, featuring shows like Relevant Daily, Signs of Life, Unedited, and many more launching throughout the year. Trust me, he'll board your ship and then to torture you, he's going to make the the roof of your mouth all cut up. Relevant Podcast Network.